Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. And this is exactly what we try to tell them, what I try to show them at PDP level. This is it. There's no point looking to the side because we're giving you everything we want to give you. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A-license football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Coaches Network. Um, my name's Coach Yas, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Ben, as usual. Uh, and today we're joined by a very special guest, um, ex-professional, played in the Premier League, um, over over. I uh, think something like that. Michael now at Watford was it? Yeah, um, in the Premier League, player you know we've won playoff championship uh, back in two thousand and three, I believe. Uh, is now currently sitting at under eighteen head coach at QPR. Oh yeah, so hi Ben. Welcome, Michael. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, Michael, we'll get straight into the heart of it. You know, we just want to talk a bit about your journey. Uh, the coaching journey started as a passion for football, to be honest with you. Always had a passion for football from a young age, like most people do when they have a passion for something. But my actual coaching journey started um, probably my first coaching thing was my son was in his last year of primary school and he wanted, they needed a coach for his school. So I went and done a school team, not primary school, seven or five thing, I think it was mm. then. But um, I found that I had an aptitude for it because I wanted to do something. Um, <clears throat> And actually doing it, can, and the same thing, you know, but do, having a feel for it, when you feel like you want to do something, can you go in to do it? You, you know, it might not fit right. And, but I felt I had an aptitude for it and I enjoyed it. And I just um, wanted to do that when I finished playing. The opportunity arose when I was at Peterborough, to be honest. So I'd done this while I was still playing, the coaching part, like um, just to make it clear. When I was still playing football as a pro, I, I was coaching my son's primary school for six months and I enjoyed it. And I knew from that, um, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the communication more than the actual football of the players succeeding, more than actually what I was doing. So I understood that I was, right. as I was growing up. So I, I, when, I, when I started doing my son's team, I got a great feel for the players and the players had a great feel for me as far as communication, not the actual what we was doing, just the communication, the skills we was talking and the communication um, and stuff like that. So I was still, I was still a pro. <clears throat> and I did get an opportunity while I was a pro at, at Peterborough. They did offer me a coaching role, funny enough. So I could have got into coaching some years ago, to be honest. They did offer me a coaching role at Peterborough as when I was playing, but I decided not to do it. Um, and then it would, anyway, my career carried on. And at the end of my career, I remember being in the changing room at Peterborough I think I was about 33, 32, 33. Um, thinking about... Uh, uh, Just a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah I, I wish. 
So yeah, then basically there was a there was a, a youth team player in there. I could see he was from London, East London. I'm from East London. I could hear in his accent he was from East London. So I said to him, we had the first team game. The youth team players sweeping out the change room. I can hear. I said to him, um, "What are you doing up here? How did you get up here? You're a youth team player." And he kind of whispered what it was, and he said, "Well, I come through Barking Abbey. I never heard of what he was talking about." And I said, "What's that?" He told me about it, mm. an educational football program. Now, bear in mind, yes, Ben, there's thousands of these now, if, if not more, in, 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 in the UK now. Loads of these educational mm. two-year yeah. college program schemes. But when I heard about it, it was, I never heard of it before. And I was intrigued. And I always thought football was an holistic... I always had an holistic approach to football anyway. I always thought that... I was never one over... I was always over nurtured in nature. I've always believed that. So I was never... I've always had an holistic approach to how development, how you develop people before you develop them as footballers. I mean, you, you engage... So I was intrigued with this educational development thing. Just so happens, I went back to my... I was, I think I was staying in the hotel at the time. Went online and I, and I, and I studied it, looked at it, and I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get involved in that. And I, I applied for a role. I sort of... When I was sort of coming towards the end of my career and I was thinking what to do, I just applied for this role. I looked into it. And it's funny enough, they was looking for someone like, like me. They was looking for someone. And I went straight into this educational programme. So before I went into professional football, what I'm saying to you, before I went into professional football... I went into an educational football program. So I learned about KPIs. I learned about organ- I learned about things that my skill sets as a footballer, resi- uh, enthusiasm, resilience, determination, all the stuff you need to overcome to become a professional footballer, these skill sets can be transferable into other forms of life. But I was aware of that when I was playing. Do you understand? I was aware of all of this. I, I knew mm. this. I had, a, I had mm. this thing. And, and also, because of the ceiling for black players while I was playing. I also understood that as well. So I understood during my playing career that I'm going to have to diverse and use my other skill sets to maybe get what I want to do out of life, if that makes sense. So my whole coaching journey is funny, really, because I always saw coaching as up. Well, I have to really start thinking about a bigger picture other than just being a coach with an A licence, which I've got, but I just didn't want to be that because I knew that I want to be a first-team manager. And at the moment, in the current climate, eight years ago, the chances of me doing that are going to be very slim. So what do I do? I empower myself. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. I see myself more as someone mm. that wants to develop players and people more than just a coach. So I've got numerous qualifications to go alongside that um, mm. so that I can not just be a coach, although football is my passion and I want to be a first-team manager somewhere, but I ain't going to wait to be given a chance. I have to make sure that I go out and give myself every opportunity in all sorts of sectors where I can be useful and positive. <clears throat> Definitely. I think one thing that kind of stands out for me to what you're saying there is, you know, is that whole element of being prepared when the opportunity arrives absolutely and trying to prepare for the opportunity once you get it uh, absolutely just, you know, just be ready all the time sort of thing and you know just just like, just touching back on, on your coaching journey there now you talked about your first steps where you know i was yeah you were, you were offered an opportunity at peterborough later on you know you 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 then eventually did get into coaching what was the kind of stumbling block for you there and what was the thing that kind of resisted your uh, no there was no resistance so you have to make this really really point. clear when i'm when cause there's a lot of this bma and then, this has been going on since i was playing so i know this i would like to see change but i've got to make it clear that there was no resistance or no one stopping me from going to coaches peterborough for me i was captain of peterborough we've done well I was coming towards my last year in my my contract with peterborough and um, i was getting on and the Peterborough said to me, Michael, we'll split this year you've got into two and give you a coaching role. So they offered me a coaching role. Do you understand? So, yes, yeah, that yes, fair. I, I didn't even get to that discussion, but I assumed it would be first, but they did offer me the role. The manager, we sat down and he said to me, you know, why don't you consider coming to coaching? We'll split your contract in a year, in a half, in a year. 
And because I was just wanted to play still, which is fine, you know, I've got no regrets. I wanted to play, I can still play. It's not a problem. So I wanted to, I've got no, you know, I'm not saying I wish I did that because it's not that, it's not the case. This opportunity was presented to me at a time when I was still yeah. active playing. So what I'm saying, I wasn't, that could, I could have then from them gone on to become, I don't know, who knows? You understand? I would have got that, that, that bedding in years ago and blah, blah, blah. And who yeah. knows? So I've got, so that was my first opportunity. After that opportunity, like I said, I carried on playing. I left Peterborough. I carried on playing and doing what I was doing. Which was, uh, and then I, I went into director of football into this two-year this program back in East London. So I learned other skill sets alongside my football knowledge. Do you understand? And then I mm-hmm. I was doing part-time coaching with Dagnum. One of the, someone approached me because they they approached me. Said, "Oh, Michael, yeah. would you come down and would you help help these under 15s I was still I was, I was full time in my, my current role, and I was enjoying. Right, yeah. So this, was Dagenham, so this is part time under fifteen coach. So I've come out straight out of professional football, basically, and gone straight into this director's role of education in an f- educational college program. Nothing to do with professional football. You have to understand this. It's like grassroots players in a college mm, program. Yeah. Everyone understands what I mean by college programs. Like I said, there's numerous. So I've come out from what you would call elite professional football and, and started gone straight into development, straight away into grassroots, basically development. Mm. Um, yeah. What sort of uh, so what sort of like. Um, challenges did you is there any sort of challenges that you faced with that like kind of like um, kind of altering the expectations that you, you would have as a player uh, to like the players that you now had to manage in this uh, college no. programme the truth is no not for me there wasn't there was no difference mm-hmm. there was no difference from me having to talk to these these, um, these young people as I was talking to the youth team players I was talking to young players it, there's no there's no uh, there was no expectation level there's no mm. you should be able to do this it was not like that like I said I found it uh, you have to be able to connect with people first as well not as first if you can connect with people and also you can give them some the, the knowledge of football you're giving them they can embrace and they can buy into it you've got a great chance of that person developing not just in football but in life do you understand it's, you've got a, a great chance of that person mm. making the right decisions so it, it, it helped me. I think it, it wasn't so much my expectations. It's what they expected of me. You understand? To be honest, not what I expect of them. Mm. So I said, I've got to deliver for these people. It's not I had, oh, they should be. I come from this position because I come from where they've come from. I was at their age. And I've always seen it like that. We've all come through a grassroots. We've all come through a pathway to become something. So if that's the case, one should be able to look back and help someone on their pathway, not look back and expect them to be able to do something. It's not that, that that's not the case, you know, and that's the same. Uh, um, and I'm fortunate, Ben. Yes, I'm, I'm I'm fortunate now to be working in grassroots. I'm in a professional game in what I'm doing because that is my expertise. That's my knowledge. That's why I know back to front. I know professional football. Okay, but um, I'm fortunate to be in the guys as I'm on the board of Essex County Football Association, which is grassroots. I'm the only BME on there now, which is fantastic for me to be a board member and be on a board that has an influence of trying to affect grass football because there's a lot of elitism in professional game that professional people don't really like to go back and mm. go into the grassroots. And also, I'm an ambassador for Cop Fosters FC, which again is a grassroots organisation. So I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to be, able to be in a position I am um, and achieve what I've done in the professional game to then help other organisations productively um, in, this com- in the community that we're in now to help everybody, yeah. you know, to help everybody in society. So that's, I'm proud of that. Um, yeah, so that's why I am now. Sorry, I, I'm not. I've gone from you know, from there to there, but I apologise. No, 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 no. Listen, this is fantastic stuff. There, and I think there's there's loads of stuff for us to kind of really um, look at there, and hopefully get a bit more detail on. You know, you, you talked there a bit about um, 
one of the phrases mm-hmm. that you use, you know, you, you want to see change. What, would you mind just going a bit deeper? I know, but, but, no, you know, no, no. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm assuming you, uh, in, in the sense that, from a from a racial perspective, yeah, you yeah absolutely. Change, but I'm I, not mistaken. Is that correct? <clears throat> but what 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 are yeah. your thoughts on that? You know, being, yeah. and obviously you've had the experience of being an ex-pro coming into the coaching world. Now, what what would you say some of the challenges are? Um, I guess for minorities trying to get you know trying to get into the coaching world and you know would you mind going into a bit yeah. of detail about yeah. your your experience specifically Absolutely. as a black man. Black yeah, I can. And so, in, in... Um, just to touch, go back on my coaching journey. So, like I said, I, I consider myself a hard-working professional. So, like I've done this educational program, and I got offered the, the under, to the under-15s part-time at Dagenham and Redbridge. I've done that as a part-time coach, and then I transpired and become the academy manager of Dagenham and Redbridge. So, I went through the various roles and become... So, I've done all these... Done all what you call yeah. my apprenticeship, because this is what I like to say. So, I've done all this experiential work, you know, before... So I've been a professional footballer for years. I played mm. international. I've been promoted four times. I've got lots of experience in playing as a professional. But I've then gone and educated myself outside the game with this development program. So I've started to educate myself more. So then I went to Dagenham. Now I've been I was, mm. I was Dagenham for, for eight years. Okay, eight years as an under fifteen, all the way up to academy manager. Done really well. Developed professional footballers for Dagenham. You understand? For produced professional footballers while mm. at my, while I was a tenure as academy manager. Not me alone, obviously, because you need a team of people. So there's no way it was me alone. I'm just saying my, my, my influence as well as other people's influence made it a positive, positive environment for young people to develop. We competed against other teams and Mike as academy manager that had more resources than us. Do you understand? So it was good. So when there's an opportunity now for the first team manager's role to come around, I will consider myself one of the, an ideal contender to be a first team manager of a somewhere like Dagenham and Redbridge, considering the experience I've got and considering, considering where I'm going to manage as a first team manager. Yeah. I think there was a non-league at the, at the time, possibly. They, yeah, there probably was because they went from non-league. While I was there, they got relegated. Okay? There was league two, then they got relegated. So you a position. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's just, oh, let's no, just no, 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 no. I was given the opportunity to be at a senior level. We haven't got there yet. That's, that's, my, that's my point. Yeah, I have to be at a senior level yeah. to affect anything to get relegated. Anybody that was yeah. that, do you understand? So I was nowhere near that. I was always in and around with the youth team, under-18s, do you understand? Under-18s, doing well, producing players. Doing what I was meant to yeah. do. I thought what I was meant to do, which I know I was meant to do. So this is the first time I've... I've you're asking me a direct question. I've never faced any racism directly as a, as a, as a football person. Uh, I'm, I've never faced anything directly racism and um, many people probably wouldn't say that unless someone's called them something directly to their face do you understand so yeah so um that when, mm. when the opportunity arose for me to become yeah. a manager i done all my due diligence and i applied for the role and so on and so forth and then i didn't get the job i was uh, if you ask anybody i will stop asking anybody but at the time i've done everything you needed to do to put myself in a position to be given an opportunity to manage a diagram of every first team i was in a great position i done all that and i didn't get the role and they gave it to this one and this one and this one. So that was my first, my first taste of, okay. And then all that did after they'd done that, it just empowered me more. So basically, once they, because they got relegated and couldn't get back into league, the academy had to shut down. So my job was redundant. Do you understand? Uh, the first team job was, I applied for the first yeah, team job. Yeah. They, they couldn't offer me, they didn't want to offer me the first team job. So basically, I had no job back to go. So then I, I got my CV. I've got a UEFA and A license. I've got eight years. I've got eight years' experience in an academy setup. I've got 20, 17, 18 years' mm. experience as a professional footballer. I've got numerous qualifications because I'd taken up numerous qualifications by then. You know, but if I had all of these things, I couldn't get a job. I couldn't get a job. I applied for, I applied for numerous yeah. jobs in football. 
I'm talking about uh, lead development coaches, mm. silly still jobs where, you know, um, peers yeah. uh, apply for jobs in academy roles, under 21s, under 23s, all sorts of roles, assistant manager, all sorts of didn't get a job. Got interviews, but I didn't get a job. Mm. So that didn't. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, just sorry, just to hold you on that one, Mike. Mm-hmm. I don't want to don't want to break up the thing because I think some great stuff coming out of here. But yeah, I really want to. I just want to ask you a direct question. Uh, the first one was the, the first job. I believe so because it, it's experience. It's right experience. I don't know what experience they're talking about because I never played in. I never coached in long league. I've got no experience to be. You know, so for that one, the first one, uh, I'll definitely. I'll say how much was that down to racism? I don't know. You know, I don't know, do I? I'm not sure how much it was down to racism. I'm. I'm just saying if if I was. If, if yeah. I was, I would have got the job if I was somebody else, of course, because my CV alone would have, they would have been dying to offer me the job if I was something. It was just my CV alone and the work I, and the work I had done. <laughs> you understand? It's not so much just a CV, it's the work I had done. The other, so just, just mm. the first job, yeah. the, the Dagenham Rebbage, that role there, obviously, there, something's wrong there because I'd done everything. And then in the eight years I've been there, I've done everything you could do to put yourself in a position of someone that's capable of doing a job. And I didn't get the, I didn't get the job. Mm. Um, the mm. ones after, I'm not sure because I'm looking for for a job and I'm not sure because there are the other jobs. There's a couple maybe. The other ones are probably yeah. well suited. And, you know, when you go through these interviews in the beginning, it's, it's daunting. You know, it's, if you go there and... So, yeah, the other ones ain't sure. So I want, the first one, definitely, the other ones ain't sure. But you know what, yeah, so above all of that, I knew this anyway. This is my point. I, I knew this. I understood this. It's not... Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that, that's, that's, that's kind of where mm. I'm getting at because, you know, you're going into these situations and... I mean, I'm, I've, I've certainly been there myself where I feel like, you know, maybe I really, should, I really feel like I should have got that. But you can't, there's no way to really kind of put a, a real marker on it and I guess bring it out unless, unless it's cold, hard facts around it. But sometimes you do walk away from think, thinking, you know, was that, was that just a tick box exercise that they had to get me in just to interview me? Or um, was I genuinely not good enough for the role? Why have they brought me in if they're going to waste my yeah, time? Yeah, so we both experienced that. What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm a very genuine <laughs> person, you know. It's the only way... It's... No, 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 no. That's why I, Absolutely. I think it's good to kind of really discuss it because I think there's a lot of coaches out there who, who are maybe uh, listening to this and will listen to this and not even just coaches. Yeah, it's coaches reality. Who, who have got ability to make decisions that can actually look at this and think, hold on a second. It, this is the experience that these people are going through. And... That's, if that's not what they want the experience to look like for us or feel like for us, then, then certainly they need to be aware of that so that they can make the relevant changes if they, if they feel Absolutely, that's because the right what you're saying is the people mm. that mm. change, these are the, you just said the, these are the things people are going through, but it's not just us people. People's going through this before me. I saw that. That's what I'm saying. I saw it. I watched it. I didn't think, well, I'm going to be any different. 100%. I saw great people that couldn't get jobs. I saw people at jump lines that were getting cut. I saw, you see things. Mm. And I, and I, and, um, I'm, I'm so glad that I got to work under Keith Alexander. God rest his soul. He passed away. He was a fortunate mm. person. I was fortunate to work under someone that is, is the same colour as me in, in, amongst so many other people that are not the same colour as me. And these people are in managerial positions. We need, I knew this, we need more people that can relate to society. Not just black people. I'm not saying we need more black people. We just need more people that are skilled that reflect society. That's all. You know, that's all. Skilled mm. people that reflect society. So yeah, I've got yeah. nothing negative to say. Only positive stuff. I've got nothing to say, well, we, this and they're this and they're that. I'm not interested in hearing about there's racism because there is. I, there's racism in society. There was when I was born. There was when I was growing up. And there is now. Mm. So I'm not confused. So, but I'm all about positivity. Going back to your question, me and you both went for a role where we ticked the yeah. box. Both of us. We went into the FA. I, was, I met the FA. We went to a role at yeah. the FA. To me, it seemed like we ticked the box. 
Because I personally yeah. got told how well this went and how well that went, but this, but that. So, I, you know, I know that. So that's a ticking bullet in <laughs> size. But I understood that then. Yes, sir. After that, I didn't go for no, no, no more FA jobs. So is that the right way? Probably not. But I knew I ain't going for none of these jobs. The only way I can affect the situation I'm in is me. These people can't help me. You understand? They're not going to help me. They're not. Mm. I can only do good work, be positive, have an influence on everybody that I meet. That's the only way we can get in a position to affect the situation we're in. Someone's not going to help you if they want to kill you. They're not going to help you if they want to starve you. Why would they do that? You understand? They're gonna, they want to keep us in a situation where they tick boxes and they carry on along their journey in life and they're happier and nice. But with, if I understand that and we understood and I understood that from the beginning, mm. what, why, why would I be upset and frustrated? I, I, I yeah. have to empower myself. We have to, we have to empower sure. ourselves. No, of course. To navigate, navigate develop, around it. Not just our race. It's not just black people. We have to try and develop everybody. Do you understand? It's, it's about affecting everybody mm. within our community. It, that's what it's about. It's about making sure that everyone can empower themselves and enlightening every youth or every, every, every adolescent that you come across so that they become better within themselves and make better decisions and they see you as a human being at the end of the day. Simple as that. And, and I understood that. Yeah. So when I was going into interviews after, I was going in, going in much more um, empowered. Like, you know what? These, pe- these people don't want to help me. I can only help myself by showing and doing and being positive. And for, thankfully, um, that, that way I've, I've carried myself has helped me along, along my journey, if that makes sense. This resilience has helped me along, along the journey. So there's lots yeah. of roles I went for that I, I, six or seven, I just went just to tick a box that they interviewed me. I was probably the best bear me. Who's the best candidate here with the best CV? Oh, yeah, Michael. Michael's got the most CV. Look, he was academy mate, done this. Look, he's done that, he's done that. Let's, let's interview him because he's better than the other, the other bear me that ain't got that. So he's won that role. So I was getting, I, I found that I was getting interviewed because I was probably the best player BMA candidate, maybe at that time. Mm. <laughs> and that's it. Once I've been, yeah, um, yeah. um, thanks, but no thanks. You know, just, just on that. <laughs> just on that, though. Sorry. No, Go on. All right. Go on, yeah, just on that. Um, you know, they brought in this whole really rule uh, things and whatnot. And like the FA also have uh, the BME bursary stuff. Do you? feel like these are like sort of effective ways of trying to like bridge no. the gap no do i think they're positive ways in going to walls to bridge the gap yes anything positive that highlights the situation has to be positive to me now whether people change that situation mm. that's up to people yeah. as, as to change that situation is in human nature but not to highlight situations to me is then to really brush it under the carpet now what they've tried to do is they've tried to brush it under carpet even though the situation has been highlighted because that is what happened to me and yasa that was that was the protocol of what happened mm. to us, the Rooney thing. Oh, well, we interview them, but we can't. We don't have to give them the job. So I always said along. I always said yeah. the Rooney rule only helps these organisations. Still, it empowers them more than it empowers us. I've always said that. I've always said it, it has to me. Mm. And just just on that though, Michael, I think it's really important to address that. For me personally, I'm not even sure if these initiatives are really helping the matter because yeah. I feel, for, firstly, for myself, you know, as an Asian man, and mm-hmm. not, you know, it'd be interesting to get your views as well. I feel like by them doing all these initiatives, I, I get they're trying to, you know, as you put it, make positive steps towards a better, a better circumstance. But I actually think it's in some ways counterproductive because what ends up happening is you go through these initiatives, and then what, en- and then these people here on the other end of it, well, they almost yeah. feel like, well, you only got here because you've had the initiative support. And not because you're actually good enough to be there, if that makes sense. I don't know if you've experienced that yourself. And yeah, I think it's, it's partly pacification. It pacifies people, this, 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 this thing. It makes people feel good that they're trying to do something. Yeah. And then the, the organisation or the club that's uh, took up this scheme can then back, go back and get their quota that they've interviewed, how many BMEs, and maybe they've employed one. So you interview seven and maybe one person gets a job. And it, and it, and it helps. Like I said, anything, 
is, is positive that can help towards the situation being better. But I still feel this rule empowers more the organisation yeah. than the, the candidate, personally, because they get, like you said, they get to say, yeah, we're, we're complying, sure. but really, are they complying? Because someone might be in a good position, but this, 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 uh, what's this, hmm. um, when when you know, when someone sits in front of you and you look and you look at them, you look at their their CV and they have got all the right things, and someone else sits in front of you, you're natural because of the way your mind is set and because of the way this thing has been set for so many years. You know that they see you as that other person hmm. being a a safer bet, which is unfair. You know, but they get to, they get to tick that box hmm. because they've done they interviewed yeah. you. So like I said, I think it's I think it's a bit of a pacification, but at the same time, like I said, anything that's positive that highlights a situation, any situation. For me, it's a positive step towards trying to rectify a situation. <clears throat> mm. You know, you just just got, coming back to your time at Dakar, you know, you've done the academy manager role. You know, a, uh, mm. in that, you know, funny enough, that interview that you talk about that we went for was, I think, just off the yeah, back it was, of yeah, the yeah, academy so was, closing down. That's right. Uh, and then, and then between then and you know, then and you know, that I think that's back I think in so, yeah, sixteen, right. I want to say, or seventeen, even. Um, what was your journey like then? Obviously, coaching wise, obviously, you know, you um, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you then maybe move back into yeah, the, yes, you know, the, I did. the education field? A little I did, bit? yeah. So, after that journey, like you said, just so that timeline around that year, at uh, that time, as you said, when I saw you with the FA, I had gone through a spate of about six or seven or eight jobs around that time, just after, like I said, I left Dagenham because the academy closed down. So, I went through about six or seven or eight. I think the FA one probably was one of my last one or two interviews when I said, I can't, I'm not doing this no more. I'm not, I'm not doing this no more. So I, was, I started diversing. Mm. I said, I ain't, I ain't, I mm. can't, I can't. I felt, and you know, we, that's the first time I felt frustrated in my whole life. You know that? That's the only time I've ever felt frustrated in my whole life is when I felt sort of powerless. I've got all this, I've got, I've got all this yeah. energy, really. That's probably the word. I've got all this energy and knowledge and experience and stuff that I know that I'm successful of delivering because I've done it before. So I'm not saying mm. I can't, I'm, I'm successful at delivering this kind of stuff because I did it before. I've got I've got history, I've got proof. So I got frustrated and I said, you know what? They don't want to. I can't get a job in 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 football again because of what? Why? I've, I've, if someone's saying something, so I can only put that down to what? Well, it must be the colour of my skin because I I wish I heard something negative along the line so I could address it. Do you know what I mean? Like you could. Well, Mike is this because you know when you you yeah, come out, yeah. we're, we're, none of us are perfect. And if you start something, you start journeying. When you start coaching, it's all about enthusiasm. And, you want to win and it's all about you. But as you get older in coaching, you realise um, that, that you can let that go. And I let that go a long time ago. So if there was something within my coaching, my professional uh, delivery or whatever, I would have hoped someone would have told me during the years. Because they did, people was telling me during the years and I was learning, going through and developing, going through. My point is, I'm not sure why I wasn't getting the jobs. That's my point. I wasn't sure why. Because I see... I don't want to name names. Well, I should really name names, but I don't want to be like that because, like I said, I ain't bitter. I'm not, no, I'm not bitter. I'm not, I'm not a bitter person. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not, like I said, I love the game. I've got no, I'm positive. I'm not, I'm not a bitter person at all. But I, I can just see, like I said, mm. I, I can just see, look at all these peers, all these people, all these, these, these other ex-professionals that all they do is talk nonsense and in doing all sorts of madness, but they just get jobs. Like, they, they, just, they just get jobs. And their CV ain't even great. You know, they might have played in the Premier League a couple of times. So what? Like, they have a game. So yeah. what? They ain't, they ain't won nothing. They ain't really done anything. And they've, they're just like me. I'm not great. Mm. You understand? I've just played the game a couple. It's the same thing. That's how I see it. It's the same thing. So I knew, anyway, like I said, from my growing up, this is going to be long. So after I experienced the thing myself, like I said, for the first proper, first time, after I didn't get the Dagnum and Ripley's job and I went through all these interviews, I, I started seeing to myself, well, these people really don't want to, they don't want me to carry on making a living. So I started to 
diverse into other things. Mm. And I, as I said, I already had this holistic approach into the development, so it was no problem for me to then to go back and deliver into an educational program to grassroots youths, if that makes sense, or mentor students and talk to them, give them the life skills that's going to make them better, or just not tell them my pathway, but just tell them, look, society is a thing where nothing's going to be given. Empower yourself, you know, respect mm. yourself. Don't do things that's going to give you a, a, a hard time. So, yeah, that's what happened. And then for the back of that, yes, sir, I went, so I went and delivered a program in yeah. UCL uh, Academy. So it's like a, a school, basically. So I went in there and delivered a Camden. Yeah, Swiss Cottage. So I went in there and delivered a program, Swiss head Cottage, of football yeah. and um, mentor. So I went in there and delivered a program and mentored. And then a the role with QPR came about. Because obviously, you know, my, fact, my passion is football. And I said, and, I, and my role at QPR come, uh, in the community trust came about, um, where I was, mm. I was the, the coordinator of uh, delivering multi-sports. I was a multi-sports officer within the community. So my role wasn't just football. Because I was also finding, mm. Ben, you know, if I can get other qualifications and be able to, to be able to have a bigger holistic approach and everything, I, 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 won't, I won't just be a football coach. So a situation like what happened now yeah. should never happen to me again. It will never happen to me again. If, if, I, if, football turns, if, mm. if I'm not in football again, it won't be a thing where I have to get back into football again. Obviously, that is my passion. That's my experience. So, go on, mate. Yeah. So I just want to ask you, like, on on that. So mm. like the the uh, the motorsport background and yeah. the education background. There's like as <laughs> as lot of a lot of uh, these purists purists would say, oh, what's the relevance for like? Because I I I done when I went to do my masters, I was around like different coaches as well yeah. from different sport, and I get like I get the there's so much transference amongst all the sports, and then when you really look at it as a whole, there's a lot of things that. Um, you can you can bring into football, and it does look uh, uh, a lot of the discip- uh, a lot of the things from the different disciplines that um, can be beneficial to football. Was there like certain aspects that you particularly learned in the education and multi-sport um, experience that you you taken into football? Yeah, the, ed- the educational part you learn. Um, I learned how obviously you learn how to teach in the educational part. Some people kinesthetic, mm. some people. You know, they learn auditory. So I learned they teach you stuff like that, which is important when you're developing young people, whether it's cricket, tennis, mm. I don't know, anything. When you're developing developing young people, it's important to know how they learn. So the educational side taught me that. You understand the ins and outs of it, the actual detail of it and what it means and stuff like that. So I get to empower myself, like I said, and, and I learned that educationally. The multi, the multi-sport side of it... Um, the other, the other side of it, I also believe if kids can play at different sports, or various sports, they've had more chance to succeed than at their chosen sport when they when they make a decision. If you mm. force your, your your child to just play football all the time, just even though they love it and you, they might like it, and they just keep you keep telling them just to play football because you get better, you get better, and you neglect maybe maybe other sports, you might have so, you might that person might not be so successful in their chosen sport in long term. So I think the multi sports I think mm. gives. It connects. It's connected, connective. It connects the education, it's psychology. The whole psychology balance of it is, is what I believe in. Like the holistic approach, like I said, is is brings all that yeah. together. It's like a full circle. Just, just, <laughs> mm. just on yeah. that, then, when you're growing up, your journey yourself, you know, developing mm. as a player and then eventually becoming a professional. What was your experience like in terms of that multi yeah. aspect of things? Was it other sports that you played? That you it's strange, really, because I just love football. But I played other sports. Don't get me wrong; I did play other sports. Uh, it worked with the area I brought up on. 
I'm a product of my environment, like most of us are sort of, yeah, products of our environment. So my environment was football, very football orientated, if that makes sense. From East London, we just played football. There was no rugby or anything like that. Basketball wasn't really played. Mm -hmm. So I just played football. But in PE, I enjoyed all sports. So I played hockey and all that. I enjoyed all sports. I wasn't just... I did. I used to dance. I was a dancer. I, yeah, yeah. I was a dancer. I had a very, I had a, I had a fantastic youth. Uh, great. No, I, I used to dance reggae. I used to, I used to be a little reggae dancer. My dad had a sound system. Serious. My dad had a sound system. Um, okay. If anyone else, a sound system, they're they're derelict. Now. They're obsolete now. But yeah, sound yeah. system, they're big, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I can't. Absolutely. One of the, we, we, used to, we used to travel to Derby and stuff. And I was in seven. I, mean, I used to perform. So all of that. Probably that helped exactly that. That helped me. So you say gymnastics. I was doing performing on seven, dancing and doing bounding and all of that. And then I think that helped me towards obviously my career. Mm. It definitely did when I, when, I, when I think about it. Yeah, nah. Did it ever come in any really, goal celebration? I, I, I like, when I scored, I was very, really, uh, what's the word, um, low key. Yeah, so I was punched up just to be I should really be scared anyway. I was in the field, so yeah. Um, yes, go on. Wicked. Yeah, did you just, just come and touch, touch on that a little bit there, Matthew? You, did, mm. you talk about a bit about, you know, being a reggae dancer and, you know, your, mm-hmm. obviously origin and, you know, Jamaican roots and whatnot. What was that like eventually? You know, oh, brilliant, man. Fantastic. You know, more, more, more proud of, more probably proud of my, for my family than it was for me, if the truth be told. You know, obviously I was proud, but I knew that I'm making my family extremely proud. Therefore, you, you know, mm. I know they, they, they contacted me well about? before, you know, I was playing... I, they contacted me, asked me to play, and I, and I kind of uh, had a discussion with Graham Taylor, great manager, and I had a discussion with Graham, good manager, good man, mm. good, and that's another person I learned a lot from. All of these people, anyway, you get back. But um, yeah, so I was playing for Jamaica, I was playing for the, in the Premier at the time, and we just broke in, and they, off, they called me up, and I had a discussion with Graham, and I delayed, I delayed going to play for him. They was fine about it, you know, I explained, you know, blah, 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 blah. I just had an injury, and I delayed playing for him, so... The opportunity was always there for me, if that makes sense. And I went and played for them eight, I think, six or seven months yeah, later. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Again, gives you a, diff- a complete different holistic output look in life, different cultures, travelling. I, I, I tell any person, if you've got an opportunity to go abroad for a period of time to do anything, do it. Like any sport, anything. You know, they, they, mm. it's, it was unbelievable what, what I learned. Just travelling, playing against other teams their style of play, how they moved, how they lived, how they spoke, how they communicated, how they conducted themselves off the pitch. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, your, your professional mm-hmm. career started back in 1993. You know, you, you went on to play over 100 games for Cambridge United. And large, you know, largely your career was spent, obviously, in England. But yeah, I did, brief, yeah. Spent, uh, brief stint in Finland, didn't you? You know, how did that come about? What was that like? And what were the major changes that you, that you, or differences rather that you, I guess, observed from your time in Finland, even though it was a brief one, yeah, to I guess, um, your time in England as a pro? Culture, style, style of style of play helped me immensely. I remember, just briefly, not to bore you, I remember I got a professional contract uh, at Cambridge. And at the beginning of that season, so I got back, a professional contract at the back end of, the, back, back end of one season. At the beginning of the new season, the, the manager called me and said, Michael, look, listen, I would like you to go to Finland and uh, play some games because their, their, their season started instead of doing pre-season there because blah, blah, blah. And I said, when you come back, you'll be captain. I looked in his face. I went, sure. When I left the office, I started crying and I found my mum and dad and said to him, oh, look, I, I just, the manager wants to get me out. I even trained with the team or nothing like that and he wants to get me out. Cut a long story short. When I went out there, I had a fantastic time. When I came back, the manager made me captain. 
the experience out there was absolutely brilliant. The, the way the, the, the people are calm. That was my favorite. I was young as a young man. The way the, the, the players were just calm, mm. just, just, you know, just yeah. professional and calm and just, yeah, it was really, really good. And it helped me. Obviously, now thinking about what you're asking me, all of these, they, 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 they shaped me to, to have a, an outlook on football when I started playing and, and so on and so forth, you know. To be fair, it was, it was really, really good. Mm. Really, really, really good, that experience. Yeah, was, record, like there was in Champions League and that in like Europe that. and yeah. everything, mate. It was good. Yeah, from, from midfield, midfield, yeah. Midfield. Was, and 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 you know it did. I grew up. I was on my own, and I think I was eighteen. I'm saying nineteen. I can't remember the time. Nineteen, and I was on my own. Yeah. I was out there for about two months, mm. and I, you had to, I had to grow up. It was really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a safe punch in the air. I ran back to my position, mate. I tell you. I didn't go out party or anything like that. It was, it was good. It was a really good time. It was good. Mm-hmm. Good. good. You know, let's, 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 let's fast forward. Now. You know, we're taking you back to 1995 there, but let's, let's fast forward. You know, so 15 years now. You know, we're out of 2020. Mm. You're now QPR under 18. So you talked a bit about eventually getting that role. How did that come about? You know, was it just an open vacancy? That was no, 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 no. Was it for your connections that you've had? And, you know, how, 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 have, you, have you fit into the Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's, it's what I, I enjoy it. You know, um, I enjoy the role. I enjoy the people I'm working with. I've always enjoyed working in team. I've always enjoyed working off of people. So it's, it's fantastic. The role I was doing before in the community was good because what they were trying to do was fantastic. They're trying to do something in the community. In the community. And if I lack of voice, if I can't help, in a, if I can't be in a professional game, if people must stop me being a professional game, I'm always going to try and do something in the community. So I can't stop singing the praises of what they was trying to do at, are what they are doing at QPR Community Trust, but then within that role, there they, there was a role that came up internally that was advertised internally. I looked at it, and I said to myself, "I'm not sure if I wanna, I'm not sure if I really wanna go go for it." I was I was uncertain, to be honest. But I went for it, and then yeah, I got in basically, and that, that's about it. I went for the role. There's other people there, um, and they found me a suitable candidate. And, you know, just for the listeners that. For listeners that maybe are not too familiar with uh, what your role with... is, obviously you need lead lead under 18s mm. coach, uh, working in professional development phase. Um, you know, there's gonna be plenty of listeners out here that that you know that, that's a role that maybe mm-hmm. they, maybe they one day aspire to maybe secure for themselves. Do you want to just give a little bit of, of detail around the day to day run, the working of that kind of role for the listeners? And, you know, yeah. maybe what okay, um, so day to day, I'm involved with the 18s. Uh, sometimes the 23s come over, but it's the 18s. Um, they do an educational program. All, all academies do an educational program. So there'll be a couple of days in a week where Wednesdays they have off, and there'll be other days where we start a bit later. But generally, the program will be in at 10 30, and we finish around 3 4 o'clock, to be honest. So 10 30. We have to come in for breakfast, play 10.30, we get going, 10 o'clock we get going, we finish lunchtime, maybe one-ish, sometime before they have lunch. And then after that, the scholars have got a lot of work to do after that, to be fair to them. You know, it's, it's a lot of work these category, category twos got to do at QPR. And most academy players, they've got to do their psychological work and they've got to do, educa- um, they've got to do their... Um, Sorry, the psychological work, then they've got to do additional educational work. You know, some of them have got additional functional skills they've got to do and then... So they've got, they've got a lot of things to do after this. It's, it's a lot different from when I was, when I was a youngster coming through, I'll tell you that. <laughs> a lot different. So the yeah. days are pretty long, to be honest. Um, and then mostly filled out by the, the scholar boys doing, doing work. <clears throat> so, yeah, but it's, it's fun. It's a great, it's a great, great environment I'm in to be working in, you know. Like I said, we're good people and it's a good team. With Paul, I work with Paul Furlong. Mm. 
He's been there more more than me, so yeah. I'm under his stewardship. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just in regards, and just in regards to like um, the sessions that day to day, like what uh, what sort of uh, aspects are you working on? Because like uh, uh, obviously QPR is quite like a unique, um, as you know, environment where like yeah, <laughs> it's quite a unique environment where. Um, it it really is about the individual all through um all through the age groups, and um, obviously when when they start getting to that sort of under eighteen uh, group, um, a lot of a lot of clubs may start to still think uh, more about the team, uh, the the way the team is organised and whatnot, and the, the, you know they may they may have like one or two players that they they're putting their. Yeah. Um, their money on their money on that's going to make it. So they will set the team up to bring the best out of just those like one or yeah. two players. But like, it, what what sort of differences have you seen uh, in comparison to other academies in the way that you guys do it in the PVP um, phase? I think it's the same. I think that probably what's helped me get the get this role is my understanding of how the QPR approach is. Because like I said, it's an holistic approach that I very much believe in. You know, you develop the player and then everything else comes from that. So I don't worry about too much of the results and that. And, you have to try and develop everybody. Mm. So the difference between that in the PDP and the actual, if you're asking me about the rest of the philosophy in the schoolboy, if, if that's the question you're asking me, I believe, is that what you're asking me? It's the same. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Obviously, we're teaching them more, though. It's like we're teaching them more about game understanding. So it's exactly the same thing. Mm. Enhancing technical ability and understanding your game. It's exactly the same thing. So instead of us working so much on um, um, on 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 rotation of roles we're working more on their role so roles responsibilities do you understand so instead of us where we, we, where, we where you know they know the, in the, the school by ages they will move move the players around and so on and so forth obviously as you move up the pyramid they've got to start understanding their roles and responsibilities more so once they come to us at PDP now they should have hopefully had, hopefully had depending on how long they've been with QPR and under their philosophy they would have had their core and functional skills already embedded depending like I said how long they've been with us mm. but it's They've come later on in the pyramid. There might be other work we want to help with them. But ultimately, once they get PDP, they've got to start understanding their roles and responsibilities. So you're, you're open. They understand what their role mm. is, but we've given the technical and the cognitive capacity to do what they, do, what they want to do within that role. You know, they have the ability, they have the expression, mm. they have the creativity. They have the individual the individualism of how to play the game within themselves, how, what we try to teach them. But at PD, you've got to know when to, what your role and responsibility is. So you can't be doing that at right back if you know that you're meant to be... Do you understand? Things, things like that. So that's all yeah. it is, really. It's just giving them understanding of their roles. Exactly the same philosophy, but just more ingrained in their roles and responsibilities within the formation and so on and so forth. Yeah. Sure. And you know, just touching on that, a large part of your role Absolutely. is supporting the players in preparation for first-team football now. What are some of the key characteristics, I guess, behaviours that you believe that they need to have in place to kind of go on and make it pro? And how, how, how would you say that difference um, maybe when you it, were the difference, as a pro? When I was coming through as a pro, it seems to me now there's a, there's a, there's a lot more awareness of Premier League and professional football. That's the difference to me. There's a hell of a lot of people playing football. I, I don't know if there is it statistically, but everybody's playing, you know. So the difference is, you got, uh, for me, you have to have a lot more resilience. You always need resilience. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We always need resilience, always. That's obviously a commodity that we all know, aware of, a strength. So you always need resilience. But I think now you need, you need to have a lot more resilience. But with that resilience now, you need to have a lot more ownership. If that makes sense. So if, if you can have ownership of what you're doing and, and why you're doing it, you've got a yeah. greater chance of succeeding. And I'm all about that. I'm all about the players understanding what they're meant to be doing and having ownership of it. If you make a mistake try, and you know what you're meant to be doing, don't worry about it. Do you understand? Because you know what you're meant to be trying to do. So you keep doing it. You keep failing because you will ultimately succeed. Um, so that is how I try to uh, help the youth. Now, I think that's the difference. Where the difference is before when I was coming through, you know, some, football wasn't such a, the money wasn't in it so much, put it that way. Yeah, the, 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 the money, the explosion of money in football now, the last 10 years has made a lot of people aware of millionaire footballers. So everybody wants their son to pay the mortgage or their daughter to pay the mortgage. So there's a, whole, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of people out there playing football, more grassroots yeah. and so on. So, so you need more resilience, you need more ownership. You need to understand what you're doing. You understand? Because there's a lot of competition mm. out there. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and just, just on that, you know, you talk there about... Um... Wanting kids to pay. Oh, that's a joke. Tongue in cheek, please. That's tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, of yeah. course, of course. No, but where I'm going to go with it? Yeah. You've actually got uh, two boys of your own. Uh, yeah, well, they were. Also playing, aren't they? Um, what's that, good. What's that like? I mean, it's, it's, it's good. And it's, it, they're going into a, a climate now. My son was at Colchester. He's got released, just got, got released from Colchester. So he's in an industry where he knows this is what the industry is. So it's uncompromising, isn't it? So it's it's but it's, mm. it's good. They're my sons. They're out in the world trying to make a living for themselves and trying to do positive things. So whatever they do is going to be good anyway. Yeah, whatever industry they choose to do, I'm going to support them, and, and it's good. But yeah, it's 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 uh, they've they've got the reality because they can sit in front of them. Um. So yeah, it is what it is, you know. Um. I've got to support them what they do, and mm. and they're going to get no favors in them because I know because of their surname. Possibly not that I was anything great. They're going to have to really. Cut out their own identity, didn't they? they? Cut out their own pathway and stuff. Mm. So they understand that. And that's great for them. Definitely. They understand that. <laughs> yeah, just. I want to take you back. Oh, okay. Go on, sorry, go on, um, just on that. Um, mm-hmm. How has how have you been a, a father? Kind of helped with your coaching side and vice versa because like yes, yes doesn't start going on about it uh, <laughs> when. Uh, about the the benefits of obviously being um, being a, a father to a, a child, and that uh, you can see you can see past the football and you see more of the person uh, when you're you're coach. Ben, the only difference between me and you, though. <laughs> <laughs> ben, don't let the people start calling you around to go and pay. What are they calling? Yeah, cut out, cut out. No, no, no. I have no one out there. The people that come around and start getting money from. Don't look after the children. Be careful what you say. <laughs> um, to answer your question, for me personally, I think it's it was it's been everything to help me in my coaching mm. journey. Everything. The reason why I say that, I've always believed that you treat others how you'd want to be treated yourself. Fundamentally, do you understand? I've always that's always what I've been brought up anyway, and that's probably so. When I'm with children, I always believe that could be my child. I, would, I ain't going to talk to nobody's children or any, you know, that's, for me, it's been fundamental because I've got children. 
I wouldn't like to mm. think that when I drop my kid off to dancing, my daughter to dancing, or I take my kid to football, or I take them to, she goes to gymnastics, or they go to tennis, or wherever, that when I turn my back and leave, the coach is treating them in any, or talking to them in any court sort of way. Do you understand? I, mm. So that's, for me, it's helped me massively, because always, I've got children in front of me, I've got my own children. There's no way I'm going to um, talk to these people or expect anything from them when I wouldn't want my children to be treated in any sort of way other than in a positive way simple just in a positive uplifting way so for me it's helped Mm. me because i I, i've got empathy because i've got my own children i've got compassion Mm. and stuff so yeah when you're in situations with children that are are struggling or over exceeding or any any sort of personality because children you know you know children we've we've been children so you know you say you know children obviously you know children we're we're, they're up and down they're emotional they've got all sorts of things going on You, you can keep calm as a coach, because you've got your own children, you've seen this, so it's okay. <laughs> so you can mm. deal with it and move on. So yeah, it's, it's helped me. It's been good for me because I've got children, so you can emphasize with them for sure. Okay, I just want to take you back. You know, uh, let's we'll go. <laughs> yeah, you've you probably seen our children, not really. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like an old man. Uh, well, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, it's not too long ago, so don't feel too old, man. Uh, but look, yeah. now, look, Brimstown Rovers is where it all began, right? Now, not a lot of people... Yeah, know, I think everybody knows that, don't they? Like, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, never that. To be honest with you, I'm not really... I'm, I'm not into the claiming for fame and all that. I'm not, I'm not yeah. really like that, to be honest. Sure. So what, you know, just going back to that, you know, you know, bit of topic, you know, with David Beckham, was there anything that you saw there back then? What was that like in here? Was there anything you saw there no. in particular that you thought this guy's going to go on to be a great player? To be honest with you, um, <laughs> he was in Fair a good enough. team. David, I was in a good team. David was in a good team. In any, any player that played in that team, would say the same thing. I'm not saying anything out of line here. We had several yeah. eight players that turned pro from that team. Yeah. It's not a coincidence. The team was very, mm. very good. Um, there's a guy called uh, Matthew Side. Yeah. What would, what would you say the key to success was there for them in, the, in, that, in that group? And obviously, you're saying you've got a few players that were uh, of chance, a very good standard. Was that just by chance or was it Chance, that my friend. Chance, chance, chance. you got a book by uh, Matthew Side that talks about bounce. I was fortunate to be in the yeah. era. Like I said, I was fortunate to be in an yeah. environment that helped me to become a professional footballer. I was maybe, we was, all of us. There's several of us that become pro out of that team. David had no more than anybody else had what they had. David had a quality, that person had a quality. Everyone, they won won their qualities and we were a very successful youth team for about six, seven years. Grassroots team, I mean. Everybody, like I said, seven become pro. What David had was the ability to do what David does now. What David does now is what he was doing when we was kids. Corners. So he could strike a ball very good, you understand? (laughs) Mm. So he, what you see him doing now is exactly how he played then. He could score three kicks, he'll take corners. So I'm not, he was, you wouldn't say, would he become what he is now? No, no one. How could I say that? None of us was. We was all just good players. None of us, you know, mm. we'd all be lying. Uh, anyone, any, anybody yeah. in that youth team player said, oh, do you think that Dave would have become there or that one would have done that or that one would have done that? I think we all would have said, but I don't think that, we never saw that coming, but it was never, it was never a, a chance where it might not happen because, like I said, we was all, we, I was amongst very, 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 very good young grassroots players. Very good. Mm. We won so much and, like I said, eight of us become pros, so that says a lot about that. And David was one of the eight, and he wasn't the best player. He was amongst like I said, very good players, but he is—he became the most decorated superstar that he is, and he deserves it. Why not? Because he done his job, he done his thing. But love, so much, so much love for him. All of us have, you know. Yeah. So yes, yeah, fantastic, mm. brilliant. Yeah, 
definitely. And, you know, moving mm. forward, and a large part of your career was spent at Watford, including the playoff winning season and obviously promotion to the Premier League eventually. What do you think it was that really led that team to being successful in, in gaining us, you know, the promotion? And, no. You know, under uh, Gady Briefer came after me. I didn't cross paths with AD. Right, OK. He was AD. AD came after me. Before it was, I had, I had Viali, Ray Lewington, Graham Taylor. Viali, Ray Lewington, mm. Graham Taylor. Who else? There was another okay. manager, I believe. No, but my time, what was good, what, 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 what for me in my time was um, the approach. Graham's approach. Well, I could see his approach why he didn't maybe do so well as a national manager because Graham was my manager for the most part of the, yeah, he was, I think, six years, five, six years. He brought mm. me, he brought me in when I had, yeah. we got back to back, back to motions under Graham. I got promoted three times with him into the Prem. Um, his holistic approach. We, when I went to him, we, we, we fitted, I, I, I brought into his, his philosophy and his ideology like a hand to a glove because I was all about that. And that's why we were successful while I was there anyway. Because we always believed that we had a great team spirit. And we was, we was never the best team. Um, but we always had this belief. He was the first person that I saw bring a psychi- psychologist psychi- psychologist in, Graham. He was mm. the first one that, that, that brought in a psychologist that used mm. to talk to us before games. And it's, it's like, you know, as Ben will tell you, our psych- psychological stuff is very big in the game now, in the academy game. Mm-hmm. And academy football now. So, and then it wasn't so much. Especially at first team level, um, it wasn't so much. And he, he was the first one that brought some money. Yeah. And like I said, there was other players that used to go and see this person outside football, and you could go see him when you want. I didn't have to go see him when I wanted to because I used to buy in when we had the group sessions. I used to love it because I understood the power of the mind, the what it could do. You understand? I understood that it's nurture, not nature. You know, if you got a bit, it would be great. But and man, if it's nurture and you you, you could you could do what you want, I understood this. Mm. So I bought into it, and that is why I'm so successful. Not his coaching ability, his managerial ability, his people skills, managing people, getting to believe in themselves. Pep Guardiola is. Joan Crop are the, the the pinnacle of that sort of uh, coaching, but yeah, they've they've got the coaching skills. Graham had more of the mindset. They had the coaching skills. Don't get me wrong, but he had the more mm. of the the connective behavioural thoughts. How you can get players to do what you want them to do and maximise their ability. And he had, he had that well. And I and, and again, I take that into my coaching. All these all these positive things that I've come across in my whole experience, my whole life, is going to make me hopefully helps me deliver what I need to deliver to to people to make them better. All these positive things that you take out of other people that you come across. It's, it's good. It's all learning, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you're just learning, mm-hmm. learning, learning, learning. And that is why we were so good, to be honest. We had a good team spirit. Very good team spirit. Fantastic. And just, you know, just going a little bit, yeah. you know, delving a bit deeper into that. During your career, was there any particular times where you maybe suffered real setbacks? And it might have been at Watford, it might have been other points in your journey where, you know, you felt like there was something specific a coach did to maybe support you through that and obviously you touched on there about yeah. Graham um, being a massive influence and really connecting with players on that level was there any experience that you had personally with Graham that helped uh, you through any setbacks um, with other coaches any repeat the question was there any setbacks that I've had with coaches that helped me in my journey yes you know, was there any times that we yeah was there any times where you maybe suffered any real setbacks in your journey and I'm sure there would be but where you felt like the coach did something specific or actually took out a bit of time to maybe spend some time with you and really help you get through that. Uh, and, you know, if so, you to be honest with you, about that experience. Facts, I'll tell you, came, most of my setbacks, was, most of my setbacks, or obstacles that I had to overcome came through when I was coming through grassroots. I thought I could have gave up. They, they were most of my setbacks because I remember 
I said about eight of us became pros at, at um, we was called Ridgeway then before Brimstone. I mentioned before about a team which David was in and was in the grassroots. I was one of the last people to become pro. When they all went and got their professional contracts and got mm. a I didn't get one. I, I, I broke my ankle. I didn't have a club. Everyone had a club. So when I'm talking about 16, 15, 16 years old, I got my dad to write to every club. I got kicked. I, got, I broke my ankle when I was at West Ham when I was about 14, 15. Then my ankle recovered and they, they, they let me go. After I broke my after my recovery from my ankle when I was fifteen, West Ham let me go. So everybody, all the players went to their clubs, Arsenal's and Man United. David went Man United. A couple went Tottenham and so on and so forth. I had no club. That was a major setback for me. That was probably my major setback. Mm. And I remember I had to go to college. I had to, I had to go and do some college with my mates and went to college. And all my mates was going to get their scholarships. In the first year of scholarship, I had no scholarship. I had to go to college. I remember asking my dad to write to all the clubs. Can you write to every club, Dad, please? And he wrote to all the clubs that he could in London and none of them responded to me. That was a major setback. That is why after, when Cambridge came in for me, when Cambridge saw me playing, they came in for me. After that, my whole journey was just, my, my mindset was just, my holistic approach was just different. I was just on a different, I just, I just understood that, you know what, there's 22 players here. <laughs> it's like the coach, the coach on the sideline, give us our, tell us what we have to do. Tell us our instructions. Tell us how he wants to play. Tell us what he wanted me to do as a midfielder. I'll just go and do what I wanted, but make sure I did what he wanted. If that made sense. I did what, mm. okay, who the coach was on the sideline? I just did what I needed to do as a player to make sure that I'm playing next week. <laughs> I'm making sure that I'm going to be better than that man that I'm playing against. I'm going to make sure that if I'm not better than him, he ain't going to have no easy game against me. And I used to just ignore the managers and the coaches. But not, I did, but never disrespected them. I always done what they wanted, do you understand? But always did what I needed to do to show that I could play. You understand it? If I wanted to get out of my feet and look at that line, I'll do that. Yeah. But I'll do other yeah. stuff first. I might, you know, I might, I always, I just, and this is, yes, yeah. But, but that's, that's, that's a real challenge sometimes, isn't it? You know, for, for a young player, because a young player wants to be able to demonstrate that they've got, or maybe just a young player, just a player in general, if you're trying to get into a squad and, you know, I've never, I've never played at a high level, but certainly if I've ever played, you know, where uh, I'm having to think about, am I going to be in the team or am I not going to be in the team? And, you know, um, you are, you are thinking. Yeah. You know, I, 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 Otherwise, I if you don't, myself, I want to be able to do what I need to do. But, but this is what we try to teach him at QPR. This is why I love the, the philosophy that Chris is doing. I love it because this is what we teach at QPR. You understand? And this is what I had to be honest with you. Um, now, as you get older, more of these, uh, this, these web, these webinars and these podcast that I'm doing and I can express myself better and, and, and tell you my thoughts at that time whereas if you asked me before I wouldn't even know to articulate mm. it or comprehend it but I can comprehend it now I can understand it now I can understand when I was mm. playing how my thought process was that was my thought process I didn't care where I knew the weaker players not the weaker players the mentally players that weren't mentally strong enough to understand they'd always look at the coach for help I never did that because I understood, I knew, I learned that. Mm. What am I looking to him for? <laughs> okay. I understood that. I need, to, I need to do this myself. I need to be empowered. And this is exactly how we... Ben asked, asked me a question. This is exactly what we try to tell them, what I try to show them at PDP level. This is it. There's no point looking to the side because mm. we're giving you everything we want to give you. You've got to bring yourself now, your creative ability. And that is what I used to do, Yasser. I used to play and train exactly mm. like that. When we used to play, I used to play and train exactly like that. I didn't used to look to the coach for help. I used to look for the manager for help. I never used to, did I do well? I didn't even look for none of that. I don't need praise from them. I don't need you to tell me I did well. I used to, <laughs> that's the truth. I knew that already. Yeah, yeah. That if I made a bad pass, if I'm looking at you and start crumbling, no, I, don't, I know it's a bad pass. I know that. I, my, my, I, I understood this. <laughs> it's true, well, though. It's, it's, it's very interesting you say that because 
So imagine you now, yeah? You're, you're swimming, yeah, yes? I mean, you, you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a swimming instructor and you're a swimmer. And you're swimming. Mm-hmm. And every day you get up at five o'clock in the morning to go swimming. And you're jumping in this pool and you're swimming, yes? And you're doing really, really well at swimming. And your coach is looking at you saying, that's expected, that's expected. And then you, 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 you make a couple of strokes and you're, you're, your coach says, come on, man, you've got, to do, you've got to do better than that. You've got to do better. As a person, me, myself, as a person, and as most children, how would you want to be, how, how, what would you like, to, you pref- would you prefer him to say that or would you prefer to him to say, that's fantastic swimming you've done there and not really to say too much about the two strokes that you've done that was wrong? What would you prefer? Now, you sound to me like you're someone that will prefer to say them about the two strokes. And I was a little bit like that. But my approach is the opposite. I'm not going to really look too much about that. I'm not really going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about the things that you consider that. Mm. I'm talking about... That's what I'm... So that's the balance of a coach. Yeah. That's their well, decision, how they coach. That's at... all. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, it's a large part of that is around if it's if it's a one-off thing, I'm not gonna, I'm probably not gonna talk about it. But if it's a consistent error, like you talk there, you know, if I'm generally mm-hmm. swimming quite well and then I just have two bad strokes, you're probably mm-hmm. not gonna draw, draw my attention to that too much. Do you know what I mean? Because you can see that it might be uh, out of character, it could be a lack of uh, concentration in the moment. But on the, on the whole, that's not what you're. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, entirely does definitely. It's balanced, I suppose. So, I think definitely, that, yeah. Definitely, I think from that perspective, it's like, well, you know, I, I'm expecting you to be able to do well here. So when you're not doing well, um, I also then expect you to be aware of the fact that you know what, to an extent, you know that it's not, you know that's not going well because yeah, that's hey. what you're used to delivering. Yeah, that's that's the and thing. I think it's you know, something something that you've touched on there as well, and that, that sometimes it does take a bit of taking yourself out of the context, whether it's a time thing, because, you know, things have developed and your mindset has matured and whatnot, but I think a large part of really development is that reflection aspect to being critically self-aware and really being honest with yourself in that you know where the things are that you're doing well, mm. you know where the things are that you might need to develop on further, and just because the, the things that you need to develop doesn't mean that they're, really not go- they're not really going well in, in that respect. It might just be little things that you can kind of tweak to make it even better in that, in that sense. I mean, can you just talk to you know talk to that a little bit in the, in the sense that you know what was what was that like for you as, as a player growing up and now as a coach in terms of that reflection process and how do you go about constantly challenging yourself and keeping yourself inspired and motivated to become better and better each you know each time you get out on the grass or each time you go into a planning session or each time you go into a, do you know what I do um, where you're SNL. discussing those sort of things? I think before I speak, you should always speak before you speak. But before I answer a question or to go into anything, I pause. I pause. So less impulse. Now that's my point. That's what I'm trying to get to. I'm a lot less impulsive. Mm. You know, I'm a lot more reflective now. And when you start in the beginning, when you're younger, you become impulsive. But hopefully, during time, you should become more reflective. And that's what I am now. So yeah, most situations arise now, and I can. If they easy that most situations, if they do arise, it's not a problem because before anything happens, I'm reflecting. You understand? I'm thinking, well, so that's that's mm. the best way. And I found that's been. I've found that I've coached better. I've become better. Um, I've become a better listener because of that. When I first started, I was impulsive. Yeah, I like it like this. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, come on, mm. do that. Yep. Yeah. I, was, I was all like that, to be honest. That's when I first, first started coaching 10 years ago. Where I am now, my whole approach is a whole, a whole lot different. It's a lot more reflective. It's a lot more calmer. It's a lot more mm. player-centred, but coach-controlled. Whereas before, it was more, you know, yeah. just coach-controlled, mate, I would say. But now it's a lot more player-centred, but it's, it's definitely more coach controlled and yeah I'm a, a lot more reflective and I found for me personally it's been better for me and, and I found it's helped yeah literally that 
that pause yeah. that you always that you're talking about there, I always feel like it's key for for coaches to do it, especially like when a mistake just happened. Like like what like was saying here, yeah. If you if you jump in so if you jump in so quickly, you're 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 not giving the player the opportunity to like dig yeah. themselves out the hole that they would have, they would have created themselves and. Uh, I, I, you don't want to be too trigger happy as a coach to just uh, be jumping in. Like sometimes, let assess it and see if they can like, actually get themselves out of it when they're put in a similar situation like that, and um, yeah. see how it goes. Um, in regards to uh, in regards to major uh, major influences in your sort mm-hmm. of uh, coaching career, um, you've already kind of started to touch on it in, um, in, in the figure of Brain Taylor. Yeah. Was there any other particular sort of like mental-like figures. That yeah, had firstly, my father. Life. My father was my my parents. They were the mm. first first ones to to give me the resilience that I needed. So yeah, so without them, most parents, but without their support and guidance, who knows? But yeah, first of all, them. They're the one that helped me to have the the mental capacity to to to, to succeed. Yeah. It just just on that. Is there anything particular that you can kind of uh, yeah touch on or? or, or... Provide as an example. Yeah, well, I can in, give you a quick snippet. My, my dad was into tough experience. love when it comes to football. Do you understand? He wasn't into this put hand, hand, arm around shoulder stuff and stuff like that. But it, the love was real, as far as I'm saying. He, he would tell me, we'll train all the time on my left foot, right foot when I was young. Training was balanced, always balanced, always my left side, right foot, right side. And in games, um, if, if, if I didn't execute what I was capable of executing, he would tell me. So, for example, he'll tell me after the game, well, I'm not going to bring you football no more if you're not going to do nothing. There's 22 players on the pitch. You're not doing enough. You're not doing anything. Like, what are you doing? Go and express yourself. Be creative. Do something. So, I understood. That's what I'm saying. So, I'm just, that helped me long term. It helped me so I could go onto the pitch and not have to listen to the managers and coaches on the sideline too much. I wouldn't just take the immediate instructions, they, how they want the team to play. But how I played, I didn't listen to them too much. So, that helped me, first and foremost. That, that helped me massively. And then... I was lucky enough to come, against school, come across school coaches through Underwood when off Ridgeway Rovers. He has to be mentioned. He was the one that had David and me and, uh, well, he was the one that had David and the rest of us. So he has to be mentioned. He set us on a path. Mm. We was like a academy. <laughs> we, we was like a grassroots academy team, mate. How you see academies now is like how we was. We used to, we had, so that was, fan, that was fantastic reading. <laughs> that was at, at young, young ages, which is very, very, very important before I was 11. Uh, and 12 and 13 when I was playing for this team that was brilliant and so on. after that Tommy Taylor another fantastic guy England international everyone was Tommy Taylor he was fantastic he made me captain of Cambridge mm. United I was the youngest captain in the country under Tommy Taylor and he showed me so much life skills then Graham was another one then Ray Wilkins was another one um, he was another fantastic person when I was at Watford again all these people helped me align my thought process to how I thought football should be played and how we should try and develop better players and how you can develop better players and how you can make players free and all of these, all of these people I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. And there's so many that I haven't mentioned, but these people have... And there's so many that I could mention that, were, were, that showed me how not to conduct myself, how not... Other professional people, how not to talk to people, how not to, mm. to do things. So I got to see how my beliefs... How I got brought up in my culture, which is important, and how I see things and how I saw my, how I was in the world of scheme things, and my identity in my space, how I saw things, how they do things and how they do things. And then I got to, you know, use the goods of what I saw and dismiss the things that I thought were going to be negative towards developing people. Um, so, yeah, the, all, all these people were great people that I come across in my life. Yeah. Like I said, some of them I haven't mentioned, but them, them guys were fantastic. 
my school teachers, even sorry, even my school teachers were good in primary school. All yeah, these people yeah. helped. I had two school Go teachers on. when I was in primary school. Miss um, Williams and Miss Hackett. I, I I'll never forget their names. And they were brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Wow. In school, in primary school. <laughs> fantastic support. Decide. Again, mm. ben, Benji, this is what brings me back to the educational side of things. Again, why I'm so into this holistic side of the educational side of things. If you can support, if kids, young kids can get a support from somebody, they've got a great chance of having self-belief and doing really, really well. If they can get enough people support, supporting them. And if they can't, at least if they can get one person, one person that can support them and give them the belief that they are, can do and be great as they want to be, they'll have every chance. And I was lucky to come across mm. people that gave me that. And they were black and they were white and they were all different colours. Do you understand? So racism had nothing to do with me at all. At all. Mm. And just just on that then, Mike, you know, you talk there about a lot of the positive experiences you've had and all the positive influences you've had on your journey and your your life. What would you say is, you know, maybe one of the biggest challenges you've faced? um, Maybe in life and more specifically in your journey. It's the greatest thing. Stigma. Stigma of just being black. And being in the environment where there ain't so many black people, that's, that's, that's the greatest thing. First expressions as you walk through the door. These are all things that, you know, I, I, you see, I feel, I, I saw. So dealing with that, you know, even as, a, even as a young player, having to be around senior players that are now seen as a, as a young player coming up in the system, as a young pro, and you've got senior players within your team, trying to act in a certain way, trying to enforce their kind of authority on you. Sometimes in a positive way, which helps mm. you grow, and sometimes in a negative way. Because they think of whatever, whatever perception they've got in the mind of what they think of people. I don't know what they think. I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, to the point where they can affect me. I don't care to the point they affect I care in, in the whole, but I don't care that you're going to affect what exactly what I need to do. Do you understand? Cause, but yeah. So that <laughs> is the stigma. That was, that was a challenge. But that's always, like I said, yes. It's not like a thing where I go, wow, what's happened there? I knew that when I was a kid. So it's not, it wasn't, it's nothing to me. It wasn't like, well, how do I handle this? Yeah, yeah. I, I, what do I do here? Yeah. You're like, what do you're, I do here? Almost, I ignore them. Going what do you mean what I'm gonna do here? You can't come. Mm. I just ignore them. And just do. Yeah. So it's not. It wasn't a case of. So that was the challenge. But like I said, other than that, all other obstacles are obstacles that we all have to do within life. So I don't, you know. But the obvious challenge was the stigma, which I was aware of, which I knew, of, and which I felt from time to time to time, <clears throat> for sure. But other than mm. that, my career was up mm. and down. But everybody's pathway is up and down. Which and and another thing, sorry, just to for. All of these things we're talking about, it's fantastic for other people to hear. But I'll tell you, what's not so great, what I found, is telling, telling people, when I'm coaching them, when I'm talking to them, I never, ever talk about my experiences. And for me, I found that so much more powerful than me telling them about my experiences. When I, when I, before, when I, yeah, I used to find I get so much more res- respect and uh, they understand and they listen more when, I, when, you, when you don't talk about, when I don't talk about my experience. They just know that I used to play football, but I don't want to talk about my experiences unless they ask me. And once they ask, then you can mm. give them a bit more, more um, you know, give them the, the, the essence of it. But really, you just want to yeah. work them, work them, so they understand themselves more and more and more and more. That's, that's how I see it anyway. That's how I see it. Definitely. Mm. So just, just, just on that then, you know, what, what would you say you bug bearers. The big, biggest bugbears when it comes to coaching? What's my, yeah. what's my biggest bugbearers when it comes yeah. to coaching? The coaches that coach too much. Yeah. The coaches that want to coach too much yeah. is, is my biggest bugbearer. So the coaches that want to show how good they are as a coach. Um, at, mm. but again it's not even a bugbear right? I, I think that then comes back down to like experience I don't, it's a, it doesn't, I don't it's not a bugbear I just find that once a coach a good coach a coach that because uh, you have in different cultures and I think a good coach is one that appreciates that the, 
most of the work and most of the adulation should go to the players. That's all. All the all everything that is that is positive and going on should all be directed towards the towards the players. So when you're coaching, everything should the, the players should be the one highlighted. Um and they're the ones that should be able to make make decisions. Yeah. When I see coaches doing too many passing drills and all that and standing and they're not the players ain't thinking, this to me is dead. You know, I, I, I don't I don't like that kind of coaching at all. Drill based coaching is not not is not that's my biggest yeah, sorry, yeah. My yeah. biggest problem will be drill based coaching. Coaches that just do contextual passing drills, 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 drills. Where the player standing around gets it past it, stands around, gets it past it, stands around, gets it past it, stand around. Looks it true. looks good. There's no learning. No learning. You need players <laughs> very, that need to develop quickness. They need mm. to make decisions. They need to make mistakes. Not just by yeah. getting it and passing it and kicking it away and then not wanting to get it and pass it. They need to move around and make them sort of decisions. I like, I like that sort of coaching, to be honest. I don't like the standing around drills and cues of players waiting to, to touch yeah. the ball. Don't like that. <sighs> right. And then just, you know, just on that then, you know, you, you, it's been a very interesting conversation. I, 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 yeah, I hope yeah. it's been enjoyable. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I want to take off mm-hmm. right back to your coaching, start your coaching journey now. So I'm, I'm probably maybe 2015 sort of time. You know more than me. Yeah, probably, possibly. Yeah, 12, I think yeah, 2012. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, it would have been around 2010. Yeah, because I finished in 2010. 2010, the year I think at Barney. Yeah, it'll be 2012 about that time. That's right. So you've now, you know, you've now mm. taken that first step into coaching. Now, if you had a ch- opportunity, to, you know, go back and, you know, with everything that you know now and the experiences that you've had now and the things that you faced and you've overcome now, what would you want to go back if you had the opportunity to tell, you know, to speak to yourself back then? Um, what would you want to tell them about coaching? You know, Mike, you're getting into this coaching. Yeah, world. you need to be resilient because consider. the world that you're going into is very competitive. It's very, very competitive, and also. You need to make sure that you empower yourself as much as you can as far as making sure you've got the qualifications you need because these are the things you need first before you even think about getting into the position you want to get in. So taking your coaching badges, all of these things, doesn't make you a great coach, but these are the boxes that you need to tick. So I spoke to lots of, I know lots of coaches because the thing before is, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to get coaches. They don't want to get their badges because they don't think they're going to get the coaching. But I think you have to do what you need to do to get to where you need to go. That's what I'm saying. So my advice is to any coach that's getting into coaching that want to be near me, go for it. Go for it. You know, I'm always going to go for it. I'm not going to say, well, there's this and that. Because if we think it's fair and think we can't achieve, we're, hard, we're probably likely not to achieve. So I don't want young pl- people, black, white, to be fearful of going into coaching. Go for it. Go for it. Because mm. you, you, by the time you get into a position where you're coaching, hopefully things will be different. Or you might be the one that can make it different. So we, I encourage people to go into coaching. Not to the point where this is going to be happening. This is gonna, I'm, I'm saying if you want to go into coaching, go for it. This is it's gonna be hard. Like, yes, there's not there's not many industries nowadays, especially in, especially in today's society where things are easy. Nothing, there's nothing's easy. So whatever you choose to do, it's gonna be hard. So go for it. You know, go for it. Mm. Empower yourself. Get your qualifications. Yeah. Learn as much as you can, and then devise your style of coaching. Desire devise a way that complements what you do. Don't try and copy people. Take what you need from people, and be a, and go for it. That's my advice. I, that, is, that is my pure advice. I won't tell no one not to go into coaching. Because, like I said to you, society is, 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 the society we're in is always been this way. So I'm not going to say people don't go into coaching because of this. It's like me saying don't breathe because of this. Yeah. You understand? This is what it is. Mm. You understand? So my advice is do what you need to <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, understand hey, it. Appreciate it. Respect just it. Run, just run don't, 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 
be frustrated. Don't be confused when stuff happens because I'm telling you, this is society. Until it changes, and who can change society? Only us. So go for it. Mm. Go for go for it. You know, don't it's positive. Don't yeah. don't don't be caught up in this negative thing where it's this and that and all these people are creating this negative environment. The environment has never been good. It's just coming up about people are talking about this negative. People have always been killed by other people un, un, unlawfully and got away with it over years and years and years and years of time. So happened George Lloyd and there's another one that happened the other day. So my point is we can't stop trying to live positively and doing positive things. We just can't buy into it. Don't 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 buy into mm. that. Don't don't get involved in that. Just, you know, it's the same thing. And this is where we are. Yeah. So, yeah, yes. I wouldn't advise anybody not to go in coaching. Just be aware that as a society, it ain't easy, mate. It's not easy. So be prepared for setbacks and denials and doors closing your face. But be willing to push them open. Be willing. Mm. Mm. And just, just, on, just on that, Mike, you know, how, how important is it then, you know, you know, you touched, touched a bit mm. there on there about the whole, you know, the racism thing and how how society is. How important is it there that, as a community, people are starting to open, keep doors, you know, I guess open doors for those who are not really being given opportunities as much. You know, and what what, what do you think could be done, especially from a football perspective? Uh, you know, your, mm. your experiences. It's not just a black coach, but a black man in the in the modern day society. I'm not sure. What my friend, I'm, I'm not sure. Sort of I mean, I've got my beliefs. Um, I'm not sure. What's sad about it is I thought, I thought, I thought not too long ago, the only way things like this can change is a certain group of people because time, time is not given to anybody. We will, we will, we will um, constrained by time. So when these people die off, which is, you know, these people that are in rules that are being entrenched in their beliefs because they are, they're entrenched. They're, they're, they're old people. Got, no, well, hopefully when these people pass off and the younger generation come over that have got, a, that have got a bit more cosmopolitan, we'll see more changes. Because now when they look at people to interview people or do things for people, they'll look at their CV and look at that person and not the colour of their skin. And hopefully that will change. But unfortunately, unfortunately, what's, what's happened this last period of time with all this racism, it's like, I don't know, I'm not sure, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I thought it was going to... I, ho- I was hoping it would go the other, you know, but I don't know. I don't know how we can affect change. I don't know if there's a policy you can put in place because ultimately mm. it's down to people's decision making as a human it's a hopefully you, ca- you can't get a robot in to then go through cvs and make sure that's a balanced quality <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. robots can't interview people so i'm not i'm not sure to the question i ain't sure the only thing i know yeah what can i do that's all i know what can i do to help people what can i do to help myself what can i do to help my family what can i do to help my community that's all i can do and let's be positive in the organizations i'm with I try to have a positive effect with these grassroots things and only BME on board. Try to have a positive effect in what I'm saying. I'm not there to listen to what you've got to say if I don't believe it. Or I'm here to hear what you've got saying and support yeah. it. And if it's not saying I support, I'm going to say I don't support it. So I'm there to have an objective, constructive, positive influence. Other than that, I'm not sure mm. what we can do, to be honest. I'm not sure. I guess. Uh, yeah, it's all, that's always a key question asked to, to most um, sort of like, like BME. Uh, coaches and people involved in football but like, but like you said like you said earlier like football is just a reflection of society yeah. and like it feels like um like the things that you're doing with the Essex FA and stuff like that when you have like more presence in those sort of fields there um in like like those positions of influence like that's when uh you know uh, clubs or organizations can take more of a objective approach to the sort of personnel they bring in absolutely and another thing, to, uh, yes, sir, um, Ben, to what, what really, I think what really could help change yeah. uh, what, you are, what you said, 
I personally really believe all these, these activists and people are the same things. I haven't heard them say anything constructive how we can go about it. Now, how I would go mm. about it personally, if I was in that position, kick it out and all that, I'll say, you know what? I'll tell you one thing. Because these people, when I grew up as a, young, as a young child, when I grew up, there's one occupation that we could not do. You, you, could, you could go have any job, but there'd be one job that people will say, that's the discreet, you can't do that. And you know what job that would be? You can't do that. You can't be a policeman. That's what they'll say. Like, that's, that's, that's a disgraceful thing <laughs> mm. because you know why? You've got, you've got these governments, they're, 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 they're the bosses, and then they've got gangs. The gangs are the police. That's the police. You've got the police in America. That's a big old gang, as, you, as we know. You know we, we can mm. see what they're doing. They're a big, massive. And you've got all these, these governments have got gangs. And we've, our gang is the Metropolitan Police. That's their gang, right? What they've done over the years is make sure that we, as black people, we fear them or we despise them. Either way, they're in power over us. So what I would do, I would say to, I'll go to my local police, if I was an activist, or if I, go to the local police station and say, can I see your BME, please? Can I see your BME officer? Because I'm sure they must have more, one, at least <laughs> one police station nowadays must have at least one BME, which I'm sure, probably not, but they must have at least one BME. Can I see them? They'll bring them out. I'll say, can you do me a favour, please? I've had a problem with this, this thing here. Can you go to every primary school within your constituency at least once a week for 15 minutes and senior school, just in PE or lunch break, casually, go in and just talk to the children. Break down this thing mm. where we bl- black people are scared to get to police officers. We don't trust police. Go in there and show them this is a, a proper occupation. Go in there and have empathy. I don't want you to do that once a week over a six-month period. And then start breaking <laughs> down because we need more people to get into this situation where we can have an effect. That's what I would do straight mm. away. All this other like stuff. Plant the sure. seeds. You have to. You have to go in there and get to the young ones, don't you? If you're serious about breaking racism, if you're serious about having an effect, you need more black people in the police force for a start that has an effect. So the chain moves up. So we get people moving up the chain. You understand? You get people into the... Mm. But if you, if, you, if you can't get people into these organisations where they can have... this, The police, for example, which, where we need a more balanced, uh, balanced, balanced sort of diversity of people in it, mm. that's what I would do. So I keep going to these black... I say, well, why don't someone just go down there? Get, get, get a local... Because if you, if you grew up where I grew up, no one, they, even now, people don't want to be police people. Why is that? So why is someone trying to affect that? Why not? Why, why, mm. why someone try to? It's a simple little thing. That's just one thing I thought of the other day. Why not, why not a BME go down? None of us gone down to my, my, my children's school. Not one police person <laughs> coming to my children's school. Just to go and have a presence and say, this is a rewarding role and this is how you should try and think about in your career and how exciting it is and stuff and get people and get different people. Then you'll start seeing change because these people will then start moving up the ladder, you see. And then they'll start mm. being in a position to affect change and start pressing for this and that and this and that. But. That's, that's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. We'll say we'll say that for part two. <laughs> yeah, it's a different podcast um, altogether. It, so, like, as we're uh, winding down on this uh, conversation, yeah, what is next for Micah Hyde in the next five years? Um, do you know <laughs> the thing about what what I would really like to be next for Micah Hyde in the next five years um, is to be in a position where I could. Uh, have an influence to to coach to win. That's what's next for my career. I want to mm. coach to win. I'm used to winning. So that's more so Absolutely. first 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 yeah, team in the coaching season. arena. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I love the development, but how can how for my next level of development is to coach to win to put so to, to to use my coaching skills or my my experience. Full stop. Not even coaching. Forget the word coaching. Mm. See, because it's not even just about coaching. Football's not about just coaching. To so use the experience that I've got to win. That would be my next coaching step. Mm. That, that for me would be the logical probably step for me, and I don't see no reason why that wouldn't be a logical step for me. But 
there is reasons why it might not be the logical step for me. So that, that I would like to do that, but am I hung on to it like I was before five years ago? No, I'm not. I've learned not to. I've learned to think, well, you know, this, that journey might not happen, if, 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 to be honest. So mm. if it doesn't happen, I ain't going to have to do other things to make sure that I have an influence. So, yeah, but in the next five years, and that 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 would mm. be nice. Yeah. Just on, you know, just moving it forward a little bit more. Then. So, you know, it's been a very insightful conversation. I've been yeah, I have, yeah. I'm sure Ben has, and hopefully, likewise, well, um, there's a lot of good stuff that's come out of this. But, you know, if you had 60 seconds now to kind of mm. leave leave the listeners, uh, more, you know, more specifically the coaches, and, uh, you know, with, I guess, one golden nugget to kind of take away with them from this conversation and apply it within their own, I guess, day to day lives and whatnot. Um, what, what try and be as effective you? as you can while you're learning. So try and be as effective as you can while you're learning and try and learn as much as you can while you're learning. And enjoy what you're doing. That's it. That's what I'll say. There's, only, there's the three things that I would say. Yeah. Um, definitely, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah? Brilliant. Well, look. Sure. Just now, quick fire round for you, Michael. Quick, quick fire round. <laughs> best player you've ever played with? The best player I've ever played with is, is the person I um, was most effective in. Richard Johnson. We played in midfield together. I played with Richard Johnson. Okay. We played in best midfield and Watford together. And we done well. No. Yeah. Against? Best player Again, you've against? Uh, yeah. Lee Hendry. Funny enough, yep. yeah. Lee Hendry wouldn't stop running. Aston Villa again, not not the best player Aston that comes to mind either. The players, but he wouldn't stop running. And as a midfielder, you got to, yeah, as a midfielder in the game, you got to <laughs> stay with him and all that, and you got to play your game. But he wouldn't just he wouldn't stop running the whole game. So I hardly touched the ball. So yeah, the person that um, most difficult. Grant Taylor, favorite manager to work under, and that that the yeah, Grant Taylor was my favorite manager player under. There you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.